turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Beautiful day it is, too, huh? Uh, Let's start thinking positively. Develop a passion for learning. If you do, you'll never cease to grow. Always do your best. What you plan now is later. I can't remember who said that, but I read that in several books. Look for something positive in each day, even if some days you have to look a lot harder. Friday was one of those days, by the way. Uh, Life is like riding a bicycle. Keep your balance. You got to keep moving. All right. uh, Anyway, uh, you know, we always talk about... uh, if you want to get any of the information that we talk about on our show, you go to WHK 1420. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, and you can go directly to my webpage from there. If you'd like to have a conversation, like to have a cup of coffee, I, I talked with some really interesting people this week. Uh, had breakfast with one of my clients uh, over at their house. It was, uh, we had a great time, and uh, I also had... Uh, uh, Coca-Cola with some clients uh, Thursday afternoon and had a great time. Uh, but I met two two or three new people this week, and uh, that's always just, you know, dealing with clients and meeting new people is always the fun part of the job, by the way, uh, not watching the, the market on Friday, that's for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, we there's some things that you should think about, okay? First of all, you know, we always tell you to go to our webpage, and on the Insight, there's a little banner right there that says Insight. The research there constantly changes, and there was some really good stuff this week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to make you go there, okay? Uh, also, under Bulletin Board, they have Rob Schleimer's stuff, and believe me, uh, I've read some stuff about Rob. I mean, he may be one of the top five technicians in the world. I mean, if you listen to who I just listened to. Also, we have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Folks, dividend stocks are holding up a lot better than anything else. Okay? Just leave it at that. So uh, I listened to Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist this week, and um, she refreshed her models on the S&P 500. And she, you know, the, the macro variables uh, serve as input. So our target price for the S&P 500 went from 4860 to 4,700. That's a reduction of 3.3%. Um, our GDP models, which bake in material slowdown in the rate of economic growth in t- 2022 and 2023, but not a recession. You know, it's hard to bake in a recession with employment so strong and the fact that we have to, you know, build a lot of stuff to get back to normal. You know, I was just reading an article about, um, you know, the labor group and, and, uh, and I have nothing against anybody. So, you know, but, you know, the longshoremen are holding out for more and more money. And there's like thirty or 50,000 cars just floating out in the ocean. 
Southern California. And they won't, they won't bring them in because nobody will unload them. Okay. And we have that problem with a lot of different products over there. And, uh, you know, I remember President Bush uh, wanted to bring everything through Mexico, uh, so we, we wouldn't have to worry about that. It's probably a pretty good idea at this point. Uh, but the key is is that uh, getting people to get, go back to factories and and go back to the, their, what they were doing before is not happening. Uh, you know, I think we we pay them to stay home, which is the wrong thing to do. But uh, so this is a different type of scenario, and the inflation is because. There's a lack of labor, and uh, there's a you know you can't get the goods. You know we haven't been producing anything for two years, so now we have to pay up for the goods that we have. And believe me, I've been trying to buy a car. <laughs> you want? They're asking for manufacturer suggested retail price plus twenty percent. Plus, you have to wait three months for your car, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, we, we do start to see uh, some things that we're, we're not real happy about. By the way, Lori Calvacina is, and, and this makes sense with the charts, too. She's talking about she's most intrigued with the small caps because that's what got hit the hardest. And, you know, small caps have a big layer of support right about here. So if they hold here, uh, that might be the place to be uh, going forward. Now, everybody was... Uh, I mean, we, we heard from almost everyone that um, they, they thought the CPI preview was going to be, you know, I mean, it was going to be explosive up to the upside. And they were all right, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I mean, you know, our headline estimate was 0.7, just missed the rounding up to 0.8 on the core. Um, so it, inflation's still out there, folks. Uh, Remember, it's worth remembering that last month it took a whopping 19% month-to-month gain in airfares to contribute just 0.1 percentage point to headlines. In other words, the weight here is really small, uh, but plane tickets were a big problem. Uh, we saw a lot of other things going on there. The real keys are cars, used cars. And by the way, we're starting to see some of the uh, what we call the subprime car loans. Okay, people that really couldn't afford the car but bought them anyway, they're starting to turn into keys. And that sounds a lot like the subprime problem that we had back in uh, uh, 2008 with houses, which is, you know, uh, unfortunate. And, and But cars are still a problem because we're not making them. All right. Simple as that. And then food. And we're going to talk about food security going forward. And then obviously oil and uh, houses and houses. The, the number of new houses being built is down. The number of mortgages is down. So we'll see what happens from here. By the way, I want to mention again, we had our 2022 RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure Conference this week. And uh, they had some really good stuff. I mean, really, really good stuff. And if you'd like any of that information, please give us a call. Just so you know, if you'd be in the top 20 stocks that we mentioned in, in this report, you'd be up for the year. And we talked about this last summer, so you know, don't give me a hard time that I'm I'm looking back. We talked about that these this conference for weeks on end last summer, and uh, I, I own a lot of these stocks, and I'll just leave it at that. So we got a labor shortage, uh, and but you got to understand. And what I don't understand is technology is getting killed, but a labor shortage is a demand driver for technology and automation. 
Okay, if people don't want to work, fine. We'll let a machine do it. All right. You know, and uh, I think a lot of people in the labor unions don't understand that. But, you know, going forward, if, if you don't want to work, that's fine. They're going to get a piece of software or a piece of hardware to do what you want to do. So I think there's some things that, you know, going forward that we have to take a look that are structural. And it's important of energy and food security. Uh, U.S. is best positioned probably in that area. And, and we need to rejigger supply chains to friends of ours, or back to the USA, one of the two best, and we're best positioned, by the way. And, you know, we have evidence of labor shortages throughout the world, and it raises the return on investment and automation. Uh, So that's something to think about. And, you know, we're probably the best position in that field, too. So um, investors deem technology done, but we think technology demand will accelerate over the next few years. You know, it was kind of in a bubble because people saw that. Look, we talked about the digital thing back at the bottom. We, we talked about it for weeks on end. Mark Mahaney and, and Matt Hedberg, we talked about our analysts. We, we pounded the table on them, on that stuff back in April and May of 2020. On this show, we did. And we offered anybody they wanted to hear it. We bought a lot of those stocks and they went straight up and came straight back down. So I just think, you know, labor supply isn't increasing. We had a little bit, we had about a 4% increase in the last labor labor uh, of participation. We need a lot bigger than that. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, but I I don't think the Fed wants every stock to fall. They just want to tighten financial conditions. The question is, do they want to blow the place up? You know, do do they want to go three quarters next, next quarter or next month, whatever? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. We haven't had interest rates this high or, or move this fast in 40 years. You know, we've broke the downtrend line, which means that, that interest rates are turning. They're no longer going to be low. So if you're going to buy a house, do it. I, you know, the next time interest rates pull back a little bit, it's probably a good idea. We broke the downtrend line dating back to 1980 on interest rates. Okay. That means there's a major change in trend. The dollar is the same way. And the dollars, what's interesting is commodities are going up at the time the dollar's rallying, and commodities broke their downtrend. So uh, this is different. We're, we're talking about different situations. So, look, inflation, however, you know, I mean, it could cool faster than the Fed and the market anticipates, which would be a dovish turn, by the way. And the Fed is trying to tighten financial conditions broadly. Stocks, housing, cost of money, etc. The Fed is not targeting a specific stock, but Fang doesn't need to get doesn't need to get pummeled, but it's starting to. All right, so uh, you know something to think about. Now, Goldman Goldman Sachs uh, they got has a gentleman by the name of Waldron, and he warned of unprecedented economic shocks, and he's echoing what Jamie Dimon has to say. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Remember what I said last week. I said we've made a series of lower highs. Until we break that downtrend line, it ain't over. All right? Now, Friday was a problem in that it, it we're right back to the bottom we held uh, back in May. We've got to kind of hold that. So, so the question is, you know, corporate earnings, where do we go from here? And U.S. stocks have posted share price losses of about 14 15% so far in, in uh, 2022. And... 
the, the real question is the conference. I mean, I don't know if you saw the University of Michigan numbers this week, but 50.2 is the lowest number. It's lower than 2008. 2008 was a bad time, folks. And the confidence numbers are lower than that right now. All right. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And so there's no confidence in the stock market. Inflation has uh, necessitated central banks, including the Fed, to tighten monetary conditions. The problem is it's a supply problem. And if you tighten conditions, you're probably going to increase inflation. Okay. You can't get the product anyway. And so if you tighten inflation and things slow down, they're not going to hire anybody. <laughs> so it's kind of a catch-22, and it's, it, 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 it's making everybody crazy, as you can tell by what the stock market's doing. Look, not all signs are pointing to declining earnings, all right? So there are stocks out there, like commodities, uh, you know, that type of thing. They're going to get beat up a little bit, probably, but... Um, Automobile prices are starting to trend lower. I don't know why, but they are. The growth sectors have underperformed the rest of the market. Uh, the Russell 3000 growth index has experienced returns of minus 22%. The Nasdaq's down almost 30. Okay. So, uh, you know, the average small cap technology stock is down over 45%. So there's been, uh, you know, some stuff going on, you know, and so it's a, it's a problem. And I think that, you know, it, is this the summer of our discontent? <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, markets remain very unsettled amid, away, uh, amid runaway inflation and, and slowing economic growth. So uh, the question is, can the Fed take inflation, the type of inflation we're seeing out with higher interest rates? Well, I'm not so sure they can because the type of inflation we have is simply because we paid people to stay home. Now they don't want to go back to work. So we, we have a, you know, a situation where we can't get microchips. We can't, we're not building cars to the extent we were. And we probably need to build about two or three million cars in the next two, three years. So the question is, you know, will that happen? And by the way, China, you know, we mentioned last week, the COVID cases have receded. So if China opens up, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a great sign for oil. And you're probably paying six or seven dollars for gasoline soon. Uh, I think that's more the administration's problem than anything. All right. So that's something to think about. So, you know, one of the things uh, that we've been talking about is food and, you know, the digital process of food now. And one of the things that I think you have to start to pay attention to is food security. You know, uh, with the agri-tech, quote unquote, solutions at the forefront of the, the bolstering food security industry, there's some growth prospects there that could be, you know, really interesting. Now, with the war going on between Russia and Ukraine, these are two agricultural giants for, for Europe. So it's compounded the challenges of feeding a growing, a growing global population against the backdrop of some increasingly unpredictable weather due to what people call climate change and soil degradation resulting from sustainable uh, agricultural products. So food prices already pushing up by, you know, pandemic-induced labor shortages and, and higher energy prices are probably going to set the move higher. And you'll probably see mal mal malnutrition and hunger, uh, you know, could be a problem going forward. So there are ways to get around that. You know, we have a lot of companies out there 
that are doing things really smart. They're using drones to watch their fields and water their fields and, and use, uh, use drones and stuff like that to selectively fertilize. Uh, so it, it, things could get really interesting, but it's an interesting industry and one you should think about. Okay. Uh, by the way, if you'd like that report, you can uh, call me at, uh, you know, just go to WHK1420, go down to local podcast, and you go straight to my webpage from the Smart Investor Show uh, area. And we can sit down and have a cup of coffee, too. In the meantime, let's take a break. This is a live show, so if you have a question, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Now let's be honest. Aren't we always honest? We say we're straight-talking plumbers. I meant bluntly honest. Okay, gotcha. If you're a first-rate plumber, you can write your own ticket to work anywhere you want. And we want you for why it works. So here's why you should choose us. One, no on-call. Because family time is sacred. Two, family first, and we'll work with your schedule. What good is raise a family money without quality time with the family? Three, we've got a truck waiting for you. And it's a sweet rolling warehouse of a truck. Four, mom's breakfast every Tuesday. And it's so good. Six, we're growing, and you can grow with us. You want to move up? You can with us. Seven, we'll teach you to wallack a doodle. And we'll teach you how to spell it. Eight, no on call. Uh, you already said that. Oh, because it's important. Five, work with the best plumbers and for the best customers in Cleveland. Oh, that is a biggie. Yeah, should have put that first. Or at least between four and six. Anyway, if that sounds good to you, hit us up at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Jay Sekulow questions the president's strategy. There's an interesting New York Times opinion essay that says, President Biden, what America will and will not do in Ukraine. And this is from the president. Here's the problem. We are telling Russia... What the United States will and will not do in Ukraine. When you ask yourself, does that make any sense from the military standpoint? Secular, live, weeknights at 6, right before Brandon Tatum at 7, on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. go a little bit technical here you know so what we're trying to do is we're trying to put strategy with with technical trading with fundamentals and then uh give you some ideas via insider buying and stuff like that to to take a look at all right now the s&p 500 you know i talked about this last week we made a lower high that's not good and then we stalled right at resistance at around 4200 and uh 
you know, that's not so good. And I'm going to talk about the dollar and et cetera. Now, the Chinese stock rallied and, and they may start to be putting in a bottom. And that might be because of the COVID thing. I don't know. But got to watch that closely. But look, uh, we're, we're, we're right where we got a hold on the S&P. All right. Now, w- one thing can happen. Monday, we can open up down 500 and then reverse up. And that would be very positive after a long, uh, you know, sell off. I will say the daily momentum is a little bit overbought, uh, or was as of Thursday. <laughs> uh, it's not so overbought now, but we are testing that low area. And <clears throat> you know, in order for you know, like Tom Lee's uh, fairly bullish, and and and, and Mark Newton, there, uh, Tom Tom works for Fundstrat, and we get their research regularly. And it's good research, by the way. And also Mark Newton, who's their technician, uh, he took over for Rob Schleimer, who worked for Fundstrat and works for us now. Now, one thing we're seeing is that the, both the 10-year yield broke out on Friday, or, or I should say broke out. It went to the old high. So if they were reversed at this point, it would be a double top. And then the dollar is kind of the same way. Uh, you know, it got it got right up to where it should, you know, would be a double top. And so we don't know what's going to happen from here. If it breaks out, it goes forward. If it if it breaks down, we have a double top on both of them. So it, it would be kind of interesting. The small cap index, let's talk about that. You know, because Lori Calvacina, she used to be the small cap strategist for a certain brokerage firm we won't talk about. And so she really knows that group very, very well. She was quite good at it for six or seven years. So what we've done is on the Russell 2000 small cap, we, you know, we remember we, we talked about it. It broke out back in October and then it broke down. I said that was negative. It was. <laughs> unfortunately and but we we held support and that support goes back like three or four years all right uh so it's a it's a big big support level so if we hold here it would be great now somebody asked me about europe and europe is still in a downtrend and the relative strength is terrible compared to the s&p 500 and the s&p 500 ain't looking so hot so i don't know if i'd go crazy on that one now the Shanghai index and the Dragon index both came back to support and turned back up. Uh, they haven't broke their downtrend line, you know, since they sold off about uh, three months ago or four months ago. Uh, but uh, if they did, that would be positive. And the relative strength compared to the S&P 500 is absolutely terrible. So, uh, look, I'm going to talk about a couple reports that I think look, Noah didn't start building the ark. When it started raining, okay, Noah started building the ark when God told him to. <laughs> All right, and what I'm telling you is that you got to start to read some of the research. You just can't pick up a stock and buy it. All right, so we have several pieces of research. I talked about our infrastructure, well, our global energy power and infrastructure conference. Uh, the update on that is really, really uh, dynamite. I think. And then we have our multiple industry. And look, what we're telling people, and Dean Dre has this uh, system, and it works. When when interest rates are heading south and, and their money is free, he buys the lesser quality in his group. When interest rates start to turn back up, he increases the quality. And so it's time to inch up the quality curve is what he's saying in so many words. Also, last week, you know, we talked about food security. 
the nature of rising food prices, uh, we have a really interesting thing on that called the Digital Intelligence Survey. And we're, we're doing a big thing into, into food. You know, we, we're to, I talked about food security this week. Last week, we were talking about food pricing. Uh, if you'd like those reports, let us know. So just some things to think about. I, I always uh, try to uh, talk about some of this stuff because uh, they're great reports and you can get them. We don't charge anything or anything like that. So, look, um, I talked last week. We had that 9% rebound, and I said, we're going to go down and test that level again. And sure enough, we got the 4,200, which is the resistance area, and the bottom dropped out. So, until rates in the U.S. dollars show evidence of breaking below their 50-day moving averages, we don't expect the market to make any substantial or meaningful upside. That's my humble opinion. So the question is, are we at double tops for both of those? And I don't, I don't know the answer to that. You know, what I'm, what I'm seeing is right now, if they dropped, it'd be a lower high. And that would be a positive, okay? That's what the, the S&P is telling us at this point. But, you know, we bounced from key support up to 4,200, and then we gave it all back in one day. So, uh, you know, it, it's something to think about. And, and I thought it was interesting because the 10-year Treasury yield now, we're talking about the yield. So when the yield goes up, the bond goes down. It, it hit its 50-day moving average and then bounced. And the dollar did the same thing. So... Uh, you know, the other thing I, I I could say is that we had oil push above that 115, 116 resistance. So, you know, growth first value, you got to stay with value. Like I said, the utilities, the infrastructure plays, uh, you know, floors making a new high, uh, you know, oil that we talked about last year. These are all the stocks that, that are up this year. Okay. The industrials are starting to give it up a little bit. And, you know, I, I have some interesting ideas. I'm just not interested in talking about them over the air. So uh, if you want to, got to give me a call. We'll talk about your portfolio. But once again, the key support, I think, um, on the S&P 500 is going to be 3,800. And, you know, I, I believe, you know, we went back to uh, a number that not many people were very happy to see on Friday. Uh, you know, so that 3,900 area is very important support where we're going to 3,800 is what it comes down to. Now, the daily was very overbought on Thursday and gave it all up and is now oversold on a momentum basis. The NASDAQ is a bigger problem in that, you know, we now have the 50-day moving average turning down um, and we've made a lower high and we didn't, we don't really have a great deal of support. And the other thing is you look at the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500, it doesn't look good, you know, on a relative strength basis, it doesn't look good. And that's unfortunate because the Dow doesn't look that good. Okay. Now, the one thing is uh, the the Russell 2000, we'll talk about that again. Lori Calvacina is kind of interested in the small caps. The relative strength performance has been getting better, but it hasn't broken the downtrend line. So that's something you got to work for. You got you to look for. Uh, it, it, it too is oversold and gave up some on Friday. So, that's some stuff you got to think about, okay? Now, we had, remember, we talked about the, the bears being very, very aggressive <laughs> and the bulls being nowhere to be found. Uh, the bulls picked up a little bit this week and then gave it all back up on Friday. So uh, it's kind of interesting, I think. So, uh, 
you know, I, I was listening to Tom Lee and Mark Newton, and they're from Funstat, and, and they talked about a couple reasons they're bullish. He said the S&P 500 po- uh, posted a losing streak uh, after the stocks fell Friday, um, and the market, the S&P closed at but uh, 44,000 something. I don't know. We so, but they. They are they they analyze the cost of missing the best days as well as the importance of recognizing the mar- the market works in cycles and 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 so they had some ideas uh, about the cost of missing the best days and it, it was a really good piece um, so it'll be interesting as Tom Lee said it all comes down to how the market sees the inflation risk and more important how the Fed sees the inflation risk and Mark Newton thinks we've already bottomed I'm not. I'm not saying that yet. Uh, I know uh, there's Sean Farrell, uh, who watches Bitcoin for him. He thinks right now is a good time for long-term investors. Uh, and I'm not so sure. Uh, what I'm seeing is the, you know, some of the big stocks that were holding up have started to give up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue that way. Um, and like I said, Goldman's Ward, uh, Wardron, uh, he's, you know, he's a pretty smart guy. He talks about, a, a you know, uh, an economic shock. Um, so I, I think, you know, Mr. Powell's, you know, a lot of people are saying, slow down, Mr. Powell. Okay. Cause uh, it takes about six months for things to hit. And when you raise interest rates, a half a percentage point, and it, remember, it's not so much the economy's in great shape. It's just, there's a demand for things that haven't been built for two years. So the supply is not there. Higher interest rates do nothing for supply. <laughs> you know, it, believe me, the price would come down if the supply was there. I'm willing to bet 100%. All right. Uh, so we'll see what happens from here. There was a minor breakout in solar stocks this week when Biden talked about killing the tariffs, uh, you know, going across the board for them. Uh, so he's, what he's trying to do is bring oil down and I don't think solar stocks going to be the way to do it. You know, the problem with solar is it's only uh it's 1 to 16, okay? So you get 1/16th of the energy from one ray of sunlight. Uh so it's not really an efficient thing and until they they get that ratio down to like 2 to 1 or 1 to 1. You get to 1 to 1, solar power will be the way we go. Uh but you know, we're, we we were grinding sideways all week, and then uh, boom, we we gave it all up on the inflation numbers on Friday. So it's it's a kind of a tough thing, uh, you know, because people thought maybe we were turning the corner. I said last week that it wasn't over yet, and we probably have to, you know, at least make a double bottom. So uh, look, the, what I saw Friday was energy had been far more resilient than I thought it was going to be. I uh, remember I said I thought maybe in June it would peak, and then it, it, energy gave it up Friday. So at least the energy stocks did. So we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, natural gas also sh- showed a minor pullback and then got beat up on Friday. So uh, you know, when you get uh, the leaders starting to give it up, and and by the way, the other thing uh, I, I saw that I, I thought was kind of interesting is is a lot of the Fang stocks started to give it up. You know, that was the strongest group. And when the strong group finally gives it up, that's you, you're getting closer to the end than the beginning. The other thing uh, I saw, and I, biotech bounced. Yeah, okay. Uh, biotech bounced. All right? That's good. So we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back and talk about that in the second half of the show. In the meantime, you got a question, 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Are you seeing mounds of dirt throughout your lawn? Copley Feed comes to the rescue once again with Bonide Mole Max. It's an effective repellent to use against moles, voles, rabbits, groundhogs, squirrels, skunks, and other burrowing animals. You just apply Bonide Mole Max three to four times per year and you send those nuisance animal pests away. Now, let's move on to our trees and shrubs. Market Copley Feed highly recommends using the Bonide Annual Tree and Shrub Insect Control. This product controls damaging insects from the inside out. One easy application controls harmful insects for a full year. Bonide Annual Tree and shrub is simple to use. You just mix it in a bucket or your watering can with water, pour it at the base of the plant, no spraying, no ladders, no mess. Next, let's move on to our roses. Bonide and Copley Feed again can help keep them gorgeous with Bonide's Rose RX Systemic Drench. One easy application protects roses, flowers, and shrubs from insect and disease for up to six weeks. So come on, let's visit our friends at Copley Feed on South Cleveland Maslin Road today for their expert advice. For 100 years, WHK has been a part of Northeast Ohio Radio. From Thursday night concerts to country, 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 and roll and bringing the Beatles to Cleveland, join us on June 21st for the 100th anniversary celebration of WHK at the Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. General admission and VIP are on sale now. So mark your calendars for June 21st. Get more information at whkradio.com. Presented by Artistic Renovations, Orlando Donsante Private Funeral Home, Discount Drug Mart, Royal Victorian Garden Center, and Certified Housing. started out with strategy, and we moved our way down to some technical stuff. Uh, okay, so now we're going to talk about the bullish percent. And the bullish percent simply is our main risk guide. And uh, remember, it got below 27, I think, that we're going to probably have a rally. We had a rally up to 49. And but by the way, we gave most of that back on Friday. <laughs> uh, we're down 7 percentage points Friday. Now, what the bullish percent is, is just a chart between 0 and 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when things are too, you know, too hot to handle. Last year in March, we hit 81. And I, I kept talking about we went from 81, then we went to 78. We kept going to 60, 60, 74, 60, 72, 60, 70, 60. And then we broke 60. And all of you know what broke loose, okay? So what we're trying to do is bottom now. And we're having a hard time finding it. Okay, so we had this rally and and all these stocks rallied up. And all this does is look at the number of point and figure buy signals versus sell signals. When you get a lot of buy signals, people are too bullish. When you get a lot of sell signals, people are too bearish. Okay, so we lost seven percentage points uh, on Friday. All right. So uh, we went from 40 down to 33. 
Now, remember, below 30 is the green zone. That's when people don't like to talk about their the stock market. And believe me, not too many people are happy with the stock market right now. Uh, people are pulling out left and right, which is great. All right. By the way, just so you know, we have the most cash we've ever had on the sidelines. Most cash we've ever had on the sidelines. Now, think about that for a second. Is that negative? Is that negative? The other thing I, you know, I want to talk about is that when we peaked out and we hit the bottom, the VIX was at 34, 35. It was at 27.70 on Friday. Hmm. You know, so you, you start to think, uh, uh, are, are we wrong here? Are we whatever? But anyway, the, the over-the-counter index, you know, which was at 18 just a, about a month ago, uh, was was down about four percent, back down to twenty seven for the day, uh, for the week, and the world index, which you know reversed, these were all had reversed up into a column of X's. Now are back in O's, so they're in bull confirmed. I mean, bear confirmed status. Bear confirmed. Simple as that. The the world index, which was at thirty nine, was down four and a half. Uh, it's it's back in column of O. Well, no, I'm sorry. It broke 32, which was, uh, you know, it turns into a column of O's now. It, it's easier to explain if you can see it and you want to see it. Come come talk to me. Uh, but one of the things that happened on Thursday, which I thought was interesting, was the cash uh, percentile for domestic equities uh, went to a much more positive situation, went below 30 percent, which is a positive development. All right. And then, so what it did, you know, you took the traffic light from red to yellow, <laughs> not to green yet, but the yellow. And then they just creamed the stocks the next day. So uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, but so people ask me, you know, where would you be looking for stocks? Well, I, I haven't been buying a lot of stocks for some time now, but the real estate sector did really well for a while. Then got beat up, but the yields are up. Okay, so you buy yields when they're up. The leisure sector was holding up pretty well. The electronic sector has been, there's been quite a few in that sector that have been holding up pretty well. Uh, the healthcare index, I'm starting to see a bit on even small cap biotechs, which is kind of interesting. The, the biotech index has really turned up. Remember, healthcare has been out to lunch now for seven years. It's the longest bear market in healthcare history. Uh, so, and, and the drug index, you know, Pfizer's chart is not beautiful. I mean, Pfizer hasn't broken out, I don't think, above the high it had back in 2000. All right. Now, there's been a couple names in, in the in the healthcare area that have done fairly well. Most of them had something to do with the, the uh, pandemic, uh, and they've even got creamed. So household goods. Uh, the media index is down, sold off enough where it might be real get into interesting. I've started to buy a couple that had three, four percent dividends. I got beat up on Friday. Uh, I, I bought them a couple days before, but um, the one one thing I will say is if you look at computers, the money market versus computers, the money market is the place to be. But if you look at uh, and you look at money market versus uh, uh, leisure. Money market's the place to be, okay? So, you know, the relative strength is still positive in the money market's favor for the time being. But, you know, we look at dynamic asset level investing. By the way, our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us this with good stuff out of Virginia. And 
Energy is the number one asset class still. And Friday got beat up. Basic materials was, and a lot of the basic materials, the chemicals got hit hard Friday. The consumer non-cyclicals, number three. Financials, number four. Utilities, number five. By the way, utilities were dead last last year when we started talking about the infrastructure package. Okay, If they think they're going to get all these electric cars running up without building more power plants, and he, and he thinks he's going to provide electricity by shutting down coal plants, the good president's out of his mind, uh, or he's losing his mind, one of the two. And I, I just say that. I'm a Republican, so I can say that, okay? I, I don't care about the guy. I just I want, I want the economy to be better. Uh, so, you know, you always want the president to do the best he possibly can. But if he thinks he can shut down coal plants and have electric cars, he's, he's got another thing coming. Uh, now, dead last is communication services and consumer cyclical or retail, which was the head of the line. Uh, but we have Target having problems. You know, we have a lot of things going on. And then healthcare. Now, communication services mostly because of MetaWorks. So we'll see what happens. But I would suggest utilities are improving. Industrials are improving, but I just keep them equal weight. I would underweight technology for the time being. Uh, and consumer uh, communication services are underweight, um, you know, for now anyway. All right. So, uh, so what do we do? Chinese stocks. Um, they they broke above some important resistance just recently, and they they looked kind of ugly, and they held long term support. Now I'm talking about going back about 15 years. Uh, well, yeah, about 15 years, 2007. So uh, you know that that's important. And if I looked at some of the, the you know Chinese internet stocks, they broke their downtrend line and then reversed right back down the next day, but they held. The downtrend line, which is very, very important. Now, the one thing that kind of concerned me this week was the fixed income. The 10-year Treasury yield, you know, was slowly but surely. As a matter of fact, it broke a double bottom at, you know, 2.775 uh, on the yield. And then it reversed up in four days right up to 3.02 for uh, yield. So and I'm not exactly sure what that means. That probably means, especially with Friday's action, that uh, the Fed's going to do something stupid, I think, and raise interest rates three three quarters of a percentage point. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, you know, oil's been positive for five weeks. Five weeks is a long time. I think you want to be careful. Uh, gold's been negative, and commodities in general have been negative for about 10 weeks. Uh, so you could see a reversal in that. Copper, I noticed, ticked back up, and that might be that might have something to do with the, the Chinese, you know, uh, the COVID situation there receding a little bit. And then, you know, the other thing I noticed is, you know, gasoline is still on a tear. Uh, natural gas is still on a tear and heating oil is still on a tear. And it's really unusual that heating oil is on a tear in the summer. They normally, that starts to pick up right around September for, you know, well, actually end of August. Now natural gas is going up because a lot of people use natural gas to, for air conditioning, but, you know, oil breaking that 114, 115 barrier is a, is a big problem, I think, uh, going forward. Uh, and crude oil, you know, has now broken or it's, it's right at the point where if it breaks out, it would be we'd be going back to the old highs uh, that we saw back in, in uh, 2008, 2009, you know, those times. Uh, remember, on this show. 
We talked about Bakken, Montana in 2003. Okay. We talked about the Permian Basin. We were talking oil back then when nobody else was. And I just mentioned that, you know, Kramer had a show about Bakken, Montana in 2014, almost 12 years after we talked about it. And uh, by the way, most of those stocks have doubled or tripled. And heating oil, uh, heating oil, this could be a problem going forward. If, if it breaks, uh, four point, if it gets to 4.7, uh, 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 dollars per cubic feet, things could get really interesting. All right. So, all right, let's take a break. This, if you have a question, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Certified Housing Solutions buys homes for cash. We close on your time frame and cover all the closing costs. Are you facing home repairs, late payments, downsizing, inheritance, probate? Certified Housing Solutions will buy your home as is and provide a solution for every situation. No closing costs and no selling fees. Call 216-677-8500. That's 216-677-8500. Or visit CertifiedHousingSolutions.com. That's CertifiedHousingSolutions.com. Ben Shapiro explains the distraction. They look at inflation is really bad. Blame the president. Blame Congress. They look at crime is really bad. Blame Congress. Democrats right now are looking down the barrel of a 2022 election that's going to be awful and terrible for them. And they're looking for an issue that is not inflation, that is not the economy, that is not crime. They're looking for issues that are not illegal immigration or even Ukraine. They're looking for something that is going to galvanize their base and get them out to the polls. The Ben Shapiro Show. Saturday, 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 3 to 6 p.m. on AM 1420. The answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. That song brings you back to what, the uh, 70s or the 80s? <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, we're back. Uh, so if you just tuned in to Smart Investor Show, I'm Tim Hayes. And uh, now we talk about insiders. So now we see, look, the insiders are at the board meetings, okay? They understand the company better than we do. They're paid to understand the company. Now, they're not always right. Uh, and what I'm going to talk about one that was dead wrong, okay? Uh, for a while there, anyway. Um, and now they're back. So this is interesting. Nextdoor Holdings, which is an internet content uh, company, um, and it just got killed. It was seven bucks. It's now like three thirteen. We had one, two, th- well, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, six insider buys, and three of th- three of them are David Zais, who's a very smart guy. He bought two point one. Then he bought uh, two two million. This is shares now, and then another one point six million. And Mary Meeker, you know, who's a director here, one one of the best internet analysts, at, you know, there is out there. Uh, 
she's kind of gone away from the analyst part, but uh, she bought uh, 1.4 million shares, which I thought was interesting. And then Greylock 16, which I don't know much about, but I think they're a 10% owner. They bought 2.175 million, then another 1.6 million. So it's a low price stock, but you know, it's one of those things, you know, if you like that type of thing, knock yourself out. Uh, Chewy, you know, which just got beat up was $114 stock is now $28. Uh, $27.71. We had Jim Starr, and I, I read some stuff about him. He's a pretty smart guy. Uh, he bought about $4 million of the stock this week, which I think is interesting. Now, here's something that's really interesting. The Baker Brothers bought uh, 28% of Kodiak Sciences, and the stock went from 52 to 170 which time they dumped a whole bunch of stock. I mean, they took all their money and more out of it, okay? And the stock just got killed after that. It went down to 50, and then they said our their test did not work. And the problem with being a biotech company is that if the Fed doesn't like your testing style, you're doomed, okay? And the stock dropped from 50 down to 7. And what's interesting is, you know, last week they bought some, and this week they bought some more, and they bought, 300,000 shares, which is about 2.4 million. And they bought another 166,000, which is 1.3 million. And then they bought another uh, 100,000, which is another 812,000. So, look, Julian Baker may be one of the, I mean, he's a PhD in microbiology, so he's no dummy. So there's got to be something developing there. I don't know what it is, but it's not for widows or orphans. Let's put it that way. Now, the other thing, Richard Aldridge uh, bought Concert Pharmaceuticals, which you know had been like a twenty dollars stock. It was now four four fifty or four seventy, whatever. And he bought a million dollars worth of that stock too. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now here's another one. And by the way, most of the insiders of this company have been dead wrong. They bought a ton of this stock four or five years ago. And by the way, there's a certain really really well known guy who's probably know more about media stocks than any other guy in the world who bought a ton of this stock in the 30s and he got killed in it so uh take this with a grain of salt but you know i think it's a cheap stock uh, gordon crawford uh bought both Lionsgate a and b the a is the voting shares uh and these you know these were 40 dollars stocks they're now 850 and uh he bought fifty-eight thousand shares of each to tune a hundred thousand i mean five hundred thousand dollars and then he bought, uh, he did it again um, about two days later, and he bought 44000 another 44000 uh, Then he bought two, two well, uh, yeah, this, two days later, he bought another 38000 uh, of each, and that's like 400000 And then he bought one more time, uh, he bought... Um, Uh, about $110,000 worth. So I thought that was interesting. Also, Anthony Noto, who's been, uh, you know, he's a guy from so- Goldman Sachs, one of the brain trusts there, started a company called SoFi, has been buying, you know, SoFi, 100,000 shares there, 100,000 shares here, uh, he bought twice this week to, to $100,000 worth, I'm sorry. Uh, but he bought a lot last week, which I thought was kind of interesting. So he continues to buy. And then uh, back about, Three years ago, we talked about Ultra Life Battery, and there was a big buyer. Stock went from five to eight, nine, and, and then the market got killed, and it's right back to four. And that same buyer, 
uh, stepped up and bought some stock this week. Not a lot, but just something to think about. And then our good friend Jay Farmer uh, at Rocket Mortgage, he's the chief executive officer. He bought uh, one, two, three, four, four sets of uh, 25,000 shares uh, to the tune of just a hair under a million dollars this week. So uh, another thing that you could, you know, he's been buying for about four or five weeks now. So pay close attention to that. And then, you know, I'm going to talk about this stock one more time is that uh, NGM, we've had the column group buy another 40 or 50,000 shares. That's the tune of about a million dollars. And we also had another insider do the same thing. They've been buying quite a bit lately. So we'll just leave it at that. All right. Uh, so I think, what was encouraging this week, if there was anything, was uh, biotech started to bounce. Matter of fact, I saw a lot of small cap biotech bounce, and some of the bigger names bounced. And you know, that's a very welcome development for healthcare. And I'm like I said, healthcare has been in the gutter for a long, long time. Um, you know, and and right now, the other thing I'm seeing is the Japanese yen is declining, and that's likely probably going to bring the Nikkei versus the S and P 500. Uh, into focus over the next couple of months. Uh, expect now, if the dollar starts to, you know, I talked about that double top or, or a pullback, that'd be very positive, I think, for the U.S. Um, but you know, we we are starting to see uh, the XBI actually catch a bid. <laughs> That's the biotech analyst. Uh, all right, so um, you know, so what do you do here? And and look, cash is important. Okay, That's why we talked about the asset class. Uh, and I, I think you need to see the May lows hold. Uh, look, I'm still thinking that we're in a secular bull market, but we're but we're in a bear market within the secular bull market. And you know, we talked about being at the top end of the trend line. Now, before you know, we we were in this bull market, uh, this uptrend that we've been in. We've been to this top line a couple times, and we've had a couple whoopses, and then we've gone sideways and we started up again. This is the longest period that we've seen is I think it's because we have an aggressive Fed. And like I said, I I can't see where interest rates hikes are going to help supply shortages. Just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And I'm an economics major, (laughs) you know, so uh, but I did start to see some of the big cap tech stocks start to give it up on Friday. Uh, And usually the, the best stocks tend to. Hold up till to the end, okay? Now, look, I'm going to go back, and I, I discussed this back in February, and I talked about the hyperextension of the NASDAQ. Now, this happened back in 2000, uh, or 1998, 1999, but we were 14% above the trend line then. This time, we were only three. So the question is, you know, the last time we, we not only broke the uptrend, we went down another 16%. <laughs> Uh, on the NASDAQ, and then went sideways for about seven, eight years. So I don't think we're going to do that this this time around, uh, simply because the way to solve the problem is through technology. You know, if you don't, if people don't want to work, you hire software and you hire robots. It's that simple. So um, now the one thing the NASDAQ did do is, is it had a death cross. The 50-day moving average falls below its 200-day um, moving average. And that's not a good sign, okay? Uh, now, the average performance, uh, by the way, after a death cross is not that bad for the market, but we are still way above where we should be. And, uh, 
you know, the NASDAQ has probably a lot further, or it's probably going to have to go sideways for a while at best. Okay. Now the Russell is what intrigues me. And the Russell 2000 is very, very interesting. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, growth versus value growth, no matter if it's large cap or, or small cap or mid cap, I think value is the place to be. Uh, like I said, the, the best reports I've seen lately are the energy infrastructure uh, report. I think that's great. The dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list have been holding up like a champ. Uh, and by the way, our, our friends at Marshfield, you know, uh, there's two money managers I use. And, and we looked at a, a, a big spectrum of money managers, and they both came out number one. All right. So, uh, and by the way, being down a lot less than everybody else is a major victory, by the way. But I go back to that 30-year or the 10-year yield. You know, the 30-year yield, by the way, has not broken out. The 10-year yield has. So that that's something we have to, I don't know how to, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's what's the what's going on there, okay? But the 10-year yield has broken the downtrend line dating back to 1980. The 30-year yield, is still in that downtrend. So I think it has to break like 340 or 350 in order to do that. Uh, and the the monthly relative strength index is building to the upside. So maybe that happens now, but uh, we'll, we'll find out. So what would I do now? I would be starting to look at the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. And by the way, if you're going to have electric cars, you have to have the infrastructure. To charge them, okay? So the energy and infrastructure plays, that that conference was probably the best time conference I can remember. Remember, they did it last summer when nobody was talking about them, all right? So the, the folks that, that run our research department are smarter than we are, is what I'm trying to tell you. So what would I do right now? I would go... I would go to WHK 1420's webpage, go down to local podcast, down to the Smart Investor Show, which takes you to my webpage. Take a look at the Insight banner. Go to that. There's a lot of good research. Take a look at the bulletin board. Read what Rob Schleimer has to say. And if you hit the contact me or email me, you can have a, you know, we can have coffee, lunch, whatever. Dividend growth portfolio, prime income list. Our dividends drive the stock market, folks. You can't fake them. And uh, it's an ongoing list. I, I actually manage it for you. In the meantime, have a great weekend. It's a beautiful weekend. And remember to buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. Have a great weekend.